You're listening to the Mens Rea podcast, and this is the story of Slawomir Gerlowski. begin a brief warning. This episode contains details of multiple sexual assaults and may be triggering for some listeners. Please also note that the majority of victims related to the following story have not made their names public, and so will be referred to throughout this episode by the anonymous designations given to them in court documents. On May 16th, 2016, at about 20 to 7 in the morning, Miss C. left her home in Clondalkin, a village just outside Dublin city centre, to make her way to work. She was headed to the nearby Lewis light rail stop and used a pedestrian cut-through called Nakmina Lane. It was an early start to the work week, but the sun was up and it was cloudy but not overly cold. As she made her way down the lane, however, Miss C. was suddenly attacked from behind by a man wielding a knife. She fought him off and made her way out to Monastery Road, where more people were headed into the city centre. There, passers-by helped her to try and stem the flow of blood from her hand, which was badly cut in the struggle, and also called the Gardie. Miss C was taken to the hospital, and Gardie arrived at the lane to begin an investigation into the attack. The scene at the lane was preserved and photographs were taken. A number of items were collected and bagged as evidence. Amongst these were black cable ties, a bottle of beer and a roll of grey duct tape, which were all sent for forensic and DNA testing. When Gardie interviewed the victim, Miss C told them that she had seen a large white van parked at the entrance of the pedestrianised road a number of times over the past two months. Other witnesses present that morning also remembered the van and told Gardie about it. Some were also able to recall a partial number plate. On the basis of this information, one Garda decided to do what was referred to as a wildcard search for the van, searching only for the make, model, colour and year, a 2008 Dublin-registered Volkswagen Crafter. One of the results had a reg number similar to the partial plate reported by witnesses. The Garda checked then with the Motor Tax Office database for confirmation of its owner's details. The van had been registered since the 18th of April of that year in the name of Slawomir Gerlowski. After this discovery, Gardie began compiling CCTV footage of that van and its movements on the morning of May 16th. The VW Crafter was spotted outside an address on New Road, near to the laneway, then on Monastery Road and at St. Bridget's Cottages, which was directly adjacent to the lane. By five past seven that morning, the van was parked outside the address of its registered owner, back in Galtimore Road, in Drimna. 
Meanwhile, Gardi awaited the results of the forensic analysis of the items recovered from Nakmina Lane. Two marks, partial fingerprints, were identified on the roll of duct tape, and soon after, a DNA profile was developed from a swab taken from the mouth of the beer bottle, also recovered from the scene. This DNA profile was run through a database made up of profiles of people convicted of crimes and unidentified DNA samples taken from crime scenes. Gardy hoped that the person responsible for the attack on Miss C had his profile stored in this system, but he didn't. The sample from the beer bottle did match others in the database, however. Those profiles had been developed from swabs taken in the course of investigations into two other sexually motivated attacks on women, also in the Clondalkin area. The first had occurred in the early hours of the 11th of September, 2011, when a young woman, Miss A, was walking home from a night out. A man attacked her from behind on Monastery Walk and sexually assaulted her by touching her genitals over her underwear. After the attack, she attended Tala Hospital for her injuries and a Garda investigation was begun. Miss A's clothes were taken by Gardi as evidence and were forensically examined. A DNA profile was developed from material found on the items. Four years later, on the 3rd of September 2015, Miss B was walking home from a night out and was attacked from behind while on Monastery Walk. She was restrained with a number of items and heard a man making noises as if he was pleasuring himself. The attack only ended when Gardi arrived in response to a call from the public regarding screaming heard in the area. After the assault, Miss B's clothing were taken as evidence along with a belt and tape used in the attack. Swabs were also collected from beneath the woman's fingernails and replacement underwear she had been given after the seizure of her own clothes were also sent for analysis for genetic material. A number of samples taken during her medical exam post-attack were found to contain semen and both partial and full DNA profiles were developed from these. Slawomir Gerlowski, the owner of the VW Crafter identified as potentially connected to the attack on Miss C, was arrested in a carefully planned operation by Gardi just outside his Drimna home at ten past seven on the morning of the 1st of June 2016. Gerlowski was brought to Clondalk and Garda station for questioning. His house was searched and his van was both searched and seized by Gardi. A number of items were collected by Gardi as potential evidence, including a jacket, rolls of duct tape and an open bag of black zip ties. A sample of Gierlowski's DNA was also collected by Gardi. On Thursday the 2nd of June 2016, Gierlowski appeared at a special sitting of the Dublin District Court before Judge Cormac Dunn. Garda Sergeant Catherine Joyce told the court that Gerlowski had been charged with four offences earlier that day at Clondalk and Garda Station. Two of the charges related to an incident of alleged false imprisonment, where a woman was held against her will at knife point and then assaulted. The others resulted from another incident where it was alleged a woman had been falsely imprisoned and sexually assaulted. Both of the women involved were unknown to Gerlowski. When the charges had been pushed to Mr. Gerlowski, he had made no comment. 
The court was told that Mr. Gierlowski was 31 years old and had a job as a roofer. He earned €700 Euro a week and, at the time, he had an address at Galtimore Road in Drimna, just south and west of Dublin city centre and six kilometres from Clondalkin. His defence counsel, Elizabeth Daly, said she understood Gardy would be objecting to bail, but an application for bail would be made on behalf of her client at a later date. Gierlowski was granted legal aid and was remanded in custody at Cloverhill Prison. He was questioned by Gardy again regarding a number of sexual assaults in the Clondalkin area a few weeks later. On Thursday the 22nd of February 2018, Slawomir Gierlowski appeared before the Dublin Circuit Criminal Court to face trial. A jury of 12 men were sworn in to hear the case alongside Judge Pauline Codd. Roisin Lacey, senior counsel, was prosecuting the case on behalf of the Director of Public Prosecutions and Gierlowski was defended by Orla Crowe, senior counsel. By this stage, he faced a number of additional counts relating to three separate incidents. The first set of charges related to an attack on Miss C, who he was accused of falsely imprisoning and assaulting near to the Nace Road in Clondalkin in May of 2016. Gierlowski was also charged with having a hunting knife on him with intent to intimidate at the time of that attack. The accused was also to answer allegations in relation to an attack on Miss B, On September 3rd, 2015, he faced charges of false imprisonment, sexual assault and assault. The third set of charges related to Miss A and were once again false imprisonment, sexual assault and assault. Gierlowski pleaded not guilty to all nine charges at the outset of the proceedings. Miss A, described only as being in her mid-twenties, took to the stand first. She told the court that on September 10th, 2011, she had gone out to socialise with friends. As she made her way home in the early hours of the following day, she had noticed that a man was walking very quickly behind her. It had made her nervous, especially as the man got close to her. She said hello to the man and he responded. She noted that he had an accent which to her sounded Eastern European. Miss A continued on her walk home and the man continued to walk behind her. She grew increasingly worried and when she reached the driveway of her home, she turned around. The woman described how suddenly someone had lunged at her from behind and that she was pushed to the ground. Miss A had screamed for the man to get off her. She continued, quote, He had his hand around my mouth. He was on top of me. I was trying to pull his hand off my mouth, end quote. The woman kept asking the man to stop and he simply shushed her in response. In the dark and with her full concentration on fighting the man off, she didn't see him clearly. But regardless of her efforts, the man had managed to put his hand up her skirt and touch her genitals over her underwear. Eventually, Miss A managed to kick out from underneath her attacker and get up from beneath him. She had then run towards her front door, but the man grabbed her by the arm and swung her around causing her to fall once more. The man then got back on top of her and put his hands around her neck. Miss A fought back again. She scratched his face and bit him too, but her attacker then began to punch her fiercely in the face. After about six blows, Miss A described how the man had just stopped. He was gone. 
The young woman ran to her front door and started to bang on it, and her parents came to help. Her parents also gave evidence in the trial. Miss A's father had been woken by the sounds of screams, and when he ran downstairs he could see his daughter's face through the glass, which was covered in blood. She was still screaming. The father ran out into the road and saw a parked car with an unusual rear light. Then they got the girl inside and called Gardie. Miss A was covered in blood. Her nose had been broken and she had two swollen black eyes. On the second day of the trial, there was a slight delay in proceedings as one of the jurors was excused. He had recognised a witness in the proceedings. However, the trial continued with the reduced jury. The court then heard from Miss B. She said that the attack on her had happened in the early hours as she walked home from a night out with her friends. Out of nowhere, she felt a force on her neck. It felt as if a thick leather belt had been wrapped around her, catching her chin and neck before she had time to react or realise what was happening. Off balance, Miss B fell to the ground. Her legs were pinned and her attacker put his hand over her mouth and nose to try and stop her screams. When Miss B continued to scream, the man had told her to shut up or he'd kill her. His voice was angry and vicious sounding, and he seemed to have an Eastern European accent. Then Miss B described something being wrapped around her head. From the ripping noise that accompanied the action, she presumed it was a thick tape. Once the tape covered her mouth and nose, it became difficult for her to breathe. At this point, she thought she was going to die, and Miss B recalled she had, quote, gone quite lightheaded, like I was passing out. I felt it was for the best. I didn't know what was going to happen, end quote. Her attacker flipped her over onto her stomach and restrained her hands. Then he sexually assaulted her. The horrific assault was only ended when Gardie arrived nearby, responding to a phone call which reported screaming in the area. The man ran off and Gardie pursued, but he got away. Evidence resumed in the trial after the weekend on Tuesday the 27th of February with Garda Niall Kenny. He and Garda Brian Campbell had responded to a radio dispatch regarding a report from the public of an alleged incident and arrived in the area just minutes after the call was placed. The guards heard screaming and ran towards it. Then they came upon Miss B who was on her knees with black duct tape all over her face and neck and with the same tape securing her arms behind her back. Garda Kenny had then seen a figure of a man jumping up from behind a parked car about 50 metres down the road, who then took off running. Kenny told the court that he pursued the figure, shouting, Garda, stop! Lighting was quite low in the residential area, and the road was also lined with trees. Moreover, the suspect he was pursuing began to zigzag down the road, avoiding the more well-lit areas, and eventually, Garda Kenny lost sight of the man. After this, the court heard from the final alleged victim, Miss C. She had been walking to work on the morning of the 16th of May 2016 and was headed towards the nearest Lewis stop. As she walked through a lane, two arms suddenly came around her from behind. One held a knife and the other a dirty grey cloth. The knife was held up to her right cheek. She was able to stop the cloth being put to her face by raising her left elbow, but her right side was entirely restricted and she had her handbag in that hand. 
Her attacker pulled her backwards and moved the knife down to her throat. Miss C thought the man was going to slit her throat, so she dropped her handbag and raised her right hand, grabbing the knife. She told the court, quote, I pulled the knife as hard as I could away from me. I pulled my head down and I just started screaming. I felt the blade go through my fingers, end quote. The man ran off and Miss C turned to look in his direction, catching a glimpse of him as he escaped. He was tanned and, according to Miss A, quote, looked Eastern European. She stood in shock there for a moment before getting out to the main road and getting help from passers-by. A number of the people who witnessed Miss C bleeding on the side of the road described what they saw that morning too. She was very distressed and her hand was, quote, oozing blood like a tap. Miss C was brought to hospital and treated for three severed tendons in her right hand. At the time of the trial, she had not regained a full range of motion in that hand. Monday the 5th of March was the fifth day of the trial and the court heard from the various witnesses who had seen the white VW van in the Monastery Road and Nakmina Lane areas. A resident of St. Bridget's Cottages, Mrs. McCabe, testified that on the 26th of April 2016, she saw a large white van parked near to the entrance of the lane. She told the court that it was a quiet spot despite its location near to a busy interchange and industrial areas and that the residents all knew each other. The van stood out and she'd noticed it. It was strange enough that she'd taken note of the registration, but had initially recorded it as a 2007 vehicle. Mrs. McCabe had seen the van again then on May 15th and had corrected her earlier mistake with regard to the van's year. She saw this time that it was in fact a 2008 registered car. Ms. McCabe's husband also saw the van and told the court that his recollection of the number plate was that it had a two and a zero in it. After seeing the van while out walking, the couple had come across two men in the area who were not from the locality. Mrs. McCabe described one of them as quite muscular and aged somewhere in his 30s. She also said that he looked a bit, quote, Slavic. Another resident took the stand and said that he had CCTV cameras outside his house. Gardy had taken still images of a white van from these recordings. Then, how Gardy had come to make the identification of the van was described for the jury, including the so-called wildcard search that had been carried out. The following day, the jury were brought through a series of CCTV clips, one placing the van at New Road in Clondalkin at around 5am, moving towards the lane, then at 10-7, to travelling away from the scene of the attack, towards the Nace Road, and finally near to the Marble Arch pub in Drimna. Garda Warren Farrell described how Gardee had collected the footage from all over the Clondalkin area in relation to the assault on Miss C in 2016. The Garda then explained how he had used computer software to identify the particular craft or van that they were looking for. Garda Farrell confirmed that there was a 29-minute gap in the footage where nothing could be found of the van's movements, between 5.12am and 5.41. Garda evidence of the investigation following the attack in 2016 was heard when court resumed on the 7th of March. A search warrant for Gierlowski's home address in Drimna was executed on the 1st of June 2016. The defendant lived in the house with another man who occupied a downstairs bedroom. 
in the master bedroom upstairs, Gerlowski's room, a green-blue jacket was discovered and seized as evidence. There were two stains on the jacket that looked like blood. A VW Crafter van was also seized by Gardy, which was parked in front of the house. The court was told that the van was registered to the accused. It was searched later that day, and Gardy discovered a roll of duct tape and an open packet of black cable ties in it. The jury were then shown photos of the van. The following day, forensic evidence was presented to the court by Dr. David Casey of Forensic Science Laboratory. The jacket taken from Gerlowski's bedroom had visual indications of bloodstains on it. A sample of that material was taken and tested, and it had matched Miss C's DNA profile. A further DNA profile had also been discovered present on a beer bottle found near the scene of the attack at Nakmina Lane. This profile matched the defendant, Mr. Gierlowski. Dr. Casey had also compared the defendant's DNA profile against DNA evidence recovered in the course of the investigations into the attacks on the two other women. Again, there was a match. On Tuesday the 12th of March, Geraldine Small, barrister at law, prosecuting alongside Ms. Roisin Lacey, read portions of transcripts of Garda interviews with the defendant for the jury. Throughout, Gierlowski denied any knowledge of the assaults he would later face trial for. Gierlowski said, quote, I'm fed up with this. I've said I know nothing about it, end quote. He maintained that he had been in his van the whole time that the assault had occurred in Nakmina Lane in May, and he had seen no one. The duct tape Gardy found was explained by Gierlowski as used occasionally in the course of his work. He also agreed to take part in a formal identity parade. Gierlowski was asked about the bloodstains found on his blue jacket, and how it was that the jacket, at least, had been present at the assault on Miss C. Gierlowski responded, quote, I am not able to answer that question, end quote. He said he couldn't remember if he was parked near the lane that morning and so couldn't explain why Gardy thought that he was there. On the 11th day of the trial in the circuit court, Detective Garda Connor Keeley from the fingerprint section of the Garda Technical Bureau took to the stand. He told the court that he had examined marks found on a roll of grey tape which had been discovered in Nakmina Lane. Six months later, he compared these prints to a set of fingerprints he had pulled from the National Database, belonging to Slawomir Gerlowski. It was his opinion that the marks made on the tape had been left there by Mr. Gerlowski's left forefinger and right ring finger. Detective Garda Keeley told Orla Crow for the defendant that he was not in a position to age or date the fingerprint marks on the tape. After this, Gerlowski's employer gave evidence of his knowledge of the defendant. He said that Gerlowski was employed by the roofing business and he'd worked from half six in the morning up to around 7pm, five or six days a week. He was of the opinion that the defendant was of good character, honest and hard-working, saying that he would not have employed Gerlowski otherwise. The employer also confirmed that he had received a text from the defendant the morning of September 3rd, 2015, the morning of the attack on Miss B, at 6.34am, excusing himself from work that day due to illness. This episode is sponsored in part by our best dudes, Manscaped. 
Nothing says I love you like handing that special some dude a box that contains Manscaped's premier blow me down there trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0. And when you use the code MENS at checkout, you get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming. The performance package has everything you need to polish up your family jewels. Not only can you rid yourself, or others, no judgment here, of that retro bush, you can get rid of those shrubs sprouting from noses and ears with Manscaped's Weed Whacker too. And not only will you feel like a god, you'll look like one too. And honestly, that's doing the whole world a favor. You are so magnanimous. Manscaped trimmers are super high spec and skin safe, and the lawnmower has an LED light and is waterproof. Impressive. And don't forget Manscaped's scrotal sprays. Their crop preserver is a deodorant for your dangly bits, which will make sure that they dangle rather than stick, and the crop reviver keeps them at their best. Right now, when you buy Manscaped's performance package, you get two free gifts, the Manscaped boxers and the Shed travel bag. It's the best value Manscaped has to offer. And remember, you get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when using my code MENS. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code M-E-N-S. Your balls will thank you. This episode is also sponsored in part by Trip. Trip has created a range of absolutely beautiful CBD-infused oils and drinks. The brand was created by female founder Olivia, who worked as a lawyer in London. Understandably, she got burnt out and overwhelmed with the daily grind, and she found CBD offered amazing relief, but she struggled with formats and flavors. That led her to create Trip. And I'm so glad she did. I had heard how wonderful CBD could be to help with stress, but I'm not a big fan of health food stores or brown bottles. And so none of that really spoke to me. When I opened up my pack from Trip, though, I couldn't wait to try it. I've been using their orange blossom oil daily since I got it, and I found it amazingly calming. I also adore their drinks. The flavors are botanical. Mint and elderflower, peach and ginger, basil and lemon. And there's a cold brew coffee option if you want to get your caffeine kick in the morning too. My favorite is the mint and elderflower. It's really refreshing, lightly sparkling, and has less than 10 calories. So I haven't broken my no sugary drinks rule. I'm also betting that it tastes wonderful with a splash of gin in it. I really can't praise this product enough. I've spent the last few weeks way less stressed out, which is a new and wonderful way to walk through life, especially after the year we've all had. And you don't have to take my word for it. Trip products have been praised in the likes of Vogue, Grazia, Forbes, and Dazed. It's made in the UK, vegan-friendly and gluten-free, and the packaging is recyclable. Trip uses premium CBD derived from hemp, and it's lab-tested to ensure that it's high-quality and that it's THC-free, too. To take a trip to happy days, go to drink-trip.com. You can get 15% off your first order with free shipping with the code TRUECRIME. That's 15% off your first order with the code TRUECRIME at drink-trip.com. And finally, this episode is also sponsored in part by our good friends at BetterHelp. Men's Rea listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash M-E-N-S. 
I adore anything that makes life easier, and BetterHelp is the perfect solution to looking after your mental health. What could be easier than an online portal where you can video chat, call, or text with your therapist from the comfort of your own home? And BetterHelp match you with a therapist who is tailored to your needs, and you can start online professional counseling in less than 48 hours. With their broad range of expertise, you can find the kind of therapist that may not be available in your area. And BetterHelp is available worldwide. BetterHelp is also more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is available and you can send messages to your therapist between sessions and get timely, thoughtful responses. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash mens. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash M-E-N-S. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Remember, right now, BetterHelp are offering Men's Rea listeners 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com forward slash men's. On the 20th of March, closing statements began in the proceedings. Ms. Lacey for the DPP told the jury, quote, DNA is the cornerstone of the prosecution's case, the golden thread that we say runs through each of the crime scenes. It permeates and underpins the case against Mr. Gerlowski, end quote. Gerlowski's DNA was present on the alleged victim's clothing and bodies. His fingerprints and DNA were at the scene of the third attack. A victim's DNA was present on his clothing. Each of the attacks had been carried out in a similar way, coming from behind and focusing on the neck before forcing the victim to the ground. It was also the state's contention that cable ties found at the third crime scene were from an open packet found in Gerlowski's van, a van very similar to the one that was seen on CCTV footage near to Nakmina Lane. The attacks had taken place in the same area and close to a house where the family of Gerlowski's partner lived. Orla Crowe, for the defendant, said that Gerlowski roundly denied his involvement in the attacks. He said he had been in his van, doing nothing at the time of the third and final attack. Counsel for the defence went on to point out that there was no evidence that the cable ties found in the lane were from the packet found in the van and the DNA evidence could not prove when the material ended up where it was found. Judge Pauline Codd gave her charge on the law the following day. On the 22nd of March, the jury returned with verdicts in relation to six of the charges against Slawomir Gerlowski. It had taken just over four hours for the 11 men to find him unanimously guilty of the charges arising from the attacks on Miss A and Miss B. The following day, they returned to the deliberation room to consider the outstanding charges. After about an hour, the jury returned once more. Gerlowski was once again found unanimously guilty of the attack on Miss C. Judge Cobb thanked the jurors for their care in deliberation and commended the guardee on their assiduous work in the investigations, which she said had been handled with great sensitivity. She also praised the three women for the bravery, strength and courage which they had shown in the courtroom. Gerlowski sat quietly and gave no reaction when the verdicts were read out. Sentencing was set to take place on the 14th of May 2018. At that hearing, Judge Codd imposed a number of consecutive sentences, adding up to a total of 22 and a half years, 
but suspended the final four years of the sentence on condition that Gerlowski successfully complete sex offender programs while in custody as directed by the probation service. Around the same time as the sentencing hearing, Gerlowski's legal team had made an application to the court that reporting restrictions be put in place to prevent the media from naming Gerlowski in relation to the case, preventing any meaningful reporting of the sentencing hearing at the time. However, media outlets made an application to Judge Codd the following month, asking for restrictions to be revised. Meanwhile, Gerlowski's lawyers had also gone to the High Court to seek to have Google remove references to publicity around the case. Mr Justice McCarthy at the High Court refused the application, saying that the courts have to deal with the realities of modern-day life. Judge Codd also lifted the initial order. The reason for this desire to have restrictions such as those in place quickly became clear to the public when it was reported by Declan Brennan that not only was Gierlowski immediately mounting an appeal against his conviction, he was expected back in court to face further charges related to yet another sexual assault. This trial took place in May of 2019 and was heard at the High Court. Gierlowski was facing charges not only of sexual assault and assault, but of attempted rape a charge that can only be dealt with by the jurisdiction of the higher court. The charges related to an assault that had occurred nine years before, in 2010. The victim in the case described how she had been walking home at around 3am on the 18th of December 2010, when she was attacked. Miss X had been out with friends on the 17th and was returning home in the early hours. As she entered the gate to her apartment complex, she noticed that there was a man close behind her. The man continued to follow her and then attacked her from behind. Her assailant began choking her and punched her a number of times in the face when she tried to get away. The man kept a hand on her throat as he tore down her tights and pulled down her underwear before touching her genitals. He then attempted to rape her. When the woman whispered something like, let me go in Polish, the man seemed to be less aggressive. He was masturbating throughout the horrific attack and ejaculated on her skirt before fleeing the scene. The woman returned home and called a friend who came to assist her and helped her to contact the guardie. There was CCTV footage from the apartment complex which showed the man turn to follow the victim and further footage from outside cameras caught a scooter leaving the area around the time of the attack. The court heard that Gerlowski had told workmates from the time that he drove a scooter. The victim also remembered that her attacker had an eyebrow piercing and another witness gave evidence that Gerlowski had had such a piercing around 2010. Semen found on the woman's skirt was linked to the accused in this case from the DNA profile which was taken from him in June 2016 after the attack on Miss C. Orla Crow, again defending, told the court her client continued to deny any involvement in the attacks that he had been convicted of carrying out. However, the jury of three women and nine men returned unanimous guilty verdicts in relation to all of the charges. Gierlowski's sentencing was adjourned until later that year, in July, by Mr Justice Michael White presiding. On July 30th, 2019, Gierlowski's sentencing hearing was begun in this fourth case, and the evidence against him was summarised for Mr Justice Michael White. The victim in this attack declined to give a victim impact statement, having informed the court that she had given evidence in the trial 
and she did not want to dwell on the case any longer. Ms. Crow for Gierlewski reiterated to Mr. Justice White that her client continued to maintain his innocence of this and the other three attacks. Then, Justice White asked Anne Rowland, prosecuting in the case, how he was to proceed in sentencing in this instance with regard to Gierlewski's other sentences, given that they were in the process of being appealed. Ms. Rowland said that she would take instructions on that. It's here that coverage of Gierlewski's crimes ends, on the 30th of July, 2019. It's probably safe to assume that sentencing on the 2010 attack was adjourned and deferred until after Gerlowski's appeal was heard. The Court of Appeal only issued their judgment in this case on the 19th of January of this year, 2021. There were a number of arguments made by Gerlowski as the applicant in this action. Firstly, there was an objection to the trial judge refusing an application by the defence to sever counts 7, 8 and 9 from the indictment, meaning to have a separate trial entirely for the assault on Miss C, who was attacked in 2016. They argued that this should have been done because each of the complainants was unrelated and there was a significant span of time between the attacks. The state's response was that the offences themselves were very similar in nature and DNA connected all of them, so each case was admissible as corroboration for the others. The Court of Appeal decided that the three incidents were both similar in law in terms of the charges attached to each and similar in fact in terms of the modus operandi of the assailant. The three cases together provided system evidence rather than similar fact evidence something that the courts don't allow. Gerlowski also sought to appeal his conviction because an application to dismiss the jury during the course of the trial had been refused. This application had come about because at one point while on the stand, a deputy superintendent had been answering questions about DNA evidence and its testing. During this testimony, he misspoke, saying the name of Miss X instead of Miss A. Miss X and the charges in relation to that attack were not part of these proceedings at all, and Gierlowski's lawyer argued that the mention of her name had prejudiced the jury. To make matters worse, according to them, during Dr. Casey from the Forensic Science Laboratory's testimony, he at one point held up a piece of paper that had redacted information on it. That information, which was covered, related to links between the cases being tried and other complainants who were not involved in the proceedings. They argued that these two things together prejudiced the jury and gave rise to a risk that a juror might conclude that Gierlowski had been involved in other crimes. Again, this argument was dismissed. The errors had been rectified by the detective superintendent and there was no way the jury could have read the paper held up by Dr. Casey. Even if they could have, they couldn't have known what information had been redacted the jury had not been prejudiced. Finally, there was a complex issue regarding the legality of the various periods of detention that Gierlowski was subject to during the course of the investigation before his subsequent charging in June 2016. However, the Court of Appeals again rejected this ground, saying that Gierlowski had been held in accordance with the law on the direction of a district court judge who had signed the warrants, and he'd also been questioned in accordance with the law. Gierlowski's appeal against his 2018 conviction was refused in its entirety. So it is that this case is not entirely settled. 
Gerlowski has yet to be sentenced for his conviction of the 2010 attempted rape, and it's possible he could seek to have his appeal referred to the Supreme Court if his lawyers can argue that it involved a point of law that needed clarification. As it stands, Gerlowski still has 16 years left to serve, regardless of whatever decision the High Court makes relating to his latest conviction. Thank you for listening to Mens Rea, a true crime podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mensreapod, or you can send an email to mensreapod at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible in part from generous donations by supporters on Patreon. Special thanks this week to Sarah Smith and Juno9227. If you'd like to help support the show and get goodies in return, head on over to patreon.com forward slash mensreapod. This episode was originally released as a Patreon guilt trip in February of this year. Full disclosure, it was my intention to release this episode on the main feed next week, but the episode I'm currently working on has turned out to be really very much longer than expected, so that'll drop for you guys next weekend instead. After that, I'm taking a little break, but never fear, the show will be back with a bang on Monday the 26th of July. In the meantime, there will be another Guilt Trip episode released over on Patreon on Monday the 5th. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors for this week, Manscaped, Trip, CBD, and BetterHelp. Remember, supporting our sponsors supports the show, so check them out in the show notes. Our theme music is Quinsong, The Dance Begins by Kevin MacLeod. Additional music is by Juanita Meisel and Kevin MacLeod. This episode was researched, written, and produced by me, your host, Sinead. All sources for today's episode can be found in the show notes or on our website, www.mensreapod.com. And so, till next time, guys, don't do anything I wouldn't do. (laughs) 